Hi, ladies. This was an interesting week. Um, loved the study, and I love that our God is never surprised. And I find it so almost purposeful that this week is on contentment. That that's what we've been setting up to now, that that's what um, I get to talk about today. And uh, he gave me another visual, which is pretty cool. Um, but as I was just praying, especially after the Sunday announcement from the governor, um, did anybody else, it, it felt like an Amber Alert, right? And, and, and this, all our phones went off, all the, and I started reading it, and, and there's this anxiety and distress. Um, even really for all of us, nothing has changed, and yet our level of anxiety has risen because we're told more about the situation or we tune in more or, you know, there's more concern. So we have to be scared. And, and yet being distressed and scared isn't where God wants us. He wants us to be able to be content. Um, I thought about coming like with a big blanket and going, right, contentment is like being wrapped up on a snowy day with a hot mug and wrapped up in a nice blanket. Oh, maybe with my feet tucked under my husband and we're whatever, you know, it just all snuggled in. That probably was contentment in the garden when Adam and Eve walked in the cool of the evening with God. But we don't really live in a world that is exuding contentment right now. So really felt like we needed some encouragement. Um, because as Candy said and reviewed, we have gone through a ton already and, and changing our mindset is difficult. And we've heard encouraging stories this morning. I thought that was awesome. And yet there might be, even in the midst of the encouragement, there can still be discouragement. Um, so I want the theme of today to actually recognize that change is a process and a change in habit is hard. It takes time. And on top of trying to fight for our marriages and make a radical change in it, we're experiencing this global crisis that affects us on many levels. I mean, have you ever thought about like listed how we're being affected right now, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, financially. We're living in a time of uncertainty. Reminded me of what it's like to live in an earthquake. The very ground, the very foundation beneath us shakes. And yet, in these times of uncertainty, we do know for certain that there is one thing that doesn't change, and that's our God. We know we have a future. We know we have a hope. We have confidence if we can but remember in God's, and I'm going to borrow from my kids when they were younger, this Bible. <sighs> if we can remember God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love, we can be more 
held. We can look back and remember God's faithfulness and we can remember God, his never changing, sovereign, all knowing, full of wisdom, so unimaginably good with a heart that loves us with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. It is so good to focus on what doesn't change. And that is the one who is sovereign. One of the definitions of contentment is to be free from care. Because of satisfaction with what is already my own. To be free from care because of satisfaction with, it, with what is already my own. We're going to talk about what already is ours. This isn't just possessions. This isn't just, but it's deeper. So how can we be content? I loved that question in our study. Um, I'm going to refer to the passages that we looked up rather than reading through all of them. So it's not a gloss over, it's a management of time. Um, but how can we learn to be content? If we're not content, what does it look like to not be content? Um, was anybody else uh, kind of like pricked and ooh in, in reading what contentious, quarrelsome meant? Yeah, to cause disagreement or argument, to cause it. Um, okay, this one just exhibiting a perverse or wearisome tendency to quarrel and dispute, to stir up strife. I thought of Shakespeare's witches, boil, boil, toil and trouble, right? They're, they're stirring their pot of poison. But even more than that, it is, as Candy alluded to, our contentiousness, our quarrelsomeness, our short stick is this striving for superiority. Oh, which goes back to the garden and the result of sin that we want to rule over our husbands. So every time there's an argument, really, I have to go, is this my pride in wanting to be superior? There's this great quote that we talk about as a joke in my family, and, and I am just really convicted of it in this moment, but it's still cool. Um, there's a kid's movie, it's a Disney movie, it's called Meet the Robinsons, and um, the mom in there is like, <laughs> anyway, the quoted quote of all quotes is, mom is always right, even when she's wrong, she is right. I love it and I hate it, right? Because that, that speaks to the, our need, my need to be right and to be, or the satisfaction of calling it. Ouch. That list of Bible verses where we go, what causes contention? What causes those arguments? As I summed that up in my heart, 
I was so drawn back to our sheet, our worksheet, right, of proud spirits and humble hearts. Pride, my pride, my sense of rightness, my sense of self, every time becomes that sense and that place of I'm going to stir up trouble. And I was so uncomfortable with that's stirring it up. That's not it comes to me. That's not a re- that's I purpose to stir this up. Um, I'm just going to give you this contrast because we talked about a wife does him good, not harm, all the days of his life. Our husbands. And, um, and yet we looked in Proverbs, there were a few verses about contentiousness or quarrelsomeness, right? It's better to live alone in the desert than with, than with a quarrelsome, complaining wife. Run away! Get away! And yet our husbands, with their tolerance, tolerate us. Um, in Proverbs 18.22, which is really just a chapter and a little before this, right? The man who finds a wife finds a treasure and he receives favor from the Lord. What's the difference there? A wife who is a treasure to a wife who is stirring up trouble. I want to be a treasure. I want to bring God's favor on my husband. But those days when I'm not content or I'm stirring up, I'm not. If I'm striving for superiority, oh, that just is so uncomfortable. So all of the information that we've given can feel overwhelming, can feel like an impossible task, right? I'm going to remind us of what I talked about with love. When we were called to love, God gives us an impossible task. But he says we can be filled with him. He gives us the tools to do it. And it is a process. Paul says, this is a process I have learned. Um, It may seem that it's required to have it all together. It's not. This is a beginning. This whole class is a beginning of a new chapter of life. It's a new beginning in your relationship of the God with the God of the universe, who's the creator and lover of your heart. It is a new beginning in your marriage, which is an outflow of our time spent acknowledging that God is God and I am not. I am focusing on who he is, what he has done, and his never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. So this last week, I had the opportunity to recognize my in-process status. She's laughing at me. God is so sweet to give me opportunities to practice. And um, one, I, I had good with. The other one ended well, but in the middle was not. Um, and, uh, and both of them, though, exposed a proud spirit, a place where I was not content. 
See, one situation echoed an early childhood lie. And that early childhood lie was I'm not valuable and I'm being left behind. So that lie tagged along with an invitation that was given in a love dialect that was not my own. Um, I had an internal reaction of hurt and pain that I could feel bubbling and boiling and stirring up into anger. But by God's grace, he shed light on it. And he showed me the heart of the situation. I am kind of being vague, but it, it's not, the, the point is the internal process for me. Um, they weren't speaking my love language, and so I didn't receive it well, and I was hurt, but I could see the vow. Anyway, he interrupted me, and he kind of went, this is their heart. And so in the midst of me getting hurt and angry, he goes, well, this is their heart, and this is their love language. And it wasn't mine, but it gave me an understanding heart. See, because there's this other verse that, uh, oops, can you bridle your tongue when your heart is under pressure? Can you bridle your tongue when your heart is under pressure? That's how you show you're wise. See, an understanding heart keeps you cool, calm, and collected no matter what you're facing. That's the Passion Translation of Proverbs 17. 27. Can you bridle your tongue when your heart is under pressure? Wisdom can. So when we're filled with God and his presence, we can, but when we're not, anyway, he interrupted me. This other opportunity came and I didn't handle it so well. See, because I love information. I just want people to communicate and give me information. And my husband Okay, so, so I had an expectation, um, and I cultivated an expectation that was not mutually agreed upon. So an uncommunicated expectation becomes a demand. See, I demanded silently in my heart communication from my husband that he did not comply with. He laughed when I read that to him. <laughs> but he didn't comply with my expectation of his way that he needs to communicate to me. Um, I could have taken it up with God the next morning, but I cultivated and stirred a little pot, a steaming pot of strife, and we had an argument all because I with uncommunicated expectations, which are demands out of self-entitled pride. I picked a fight with my husband this week. Yeah, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry, my husband, and you're welcome, we're all in process. Seriously, it was not respectful, kind, or loving. My, my behavior was self-promoting, self-entitled, and demanding. Okay, <laughs> I'm getting to the kicker. And it's all based on not receiving a text with information, right? Because I thrive on information. He didn't give me information. I value, I crave desiring information. And this woman's fury was unleashed on my husband because he didn't text me. 
you're laughing. And yet, don't we all do that in one way, shape or form? Our expectations can be that petty. And in the moment, can I just tell you, I was enraged to my shame. Because I know better. And I love him and it was good. And so in the midst of me stirring up this fight, I just, God interrupted me in the middle after I had picked the fight. Ouch. So I had to back up, apologize. And I was recognizing that spirit of superiority and demandingness, but I I actually had to go, you know what? This is the wrong time to talk about this. I'm sorry. I brought this up. I'm mad, but you know what? I'm sorry. I shouldn't have brought it up, especially with the wrong time, the wrong tone of voice, <clears throat> with the intent of proving that I was right. Anyway. So we reconciled. And the opportunity I see in that circumstance is a life lesson. Because without God's refilling and filling and washing me daily, multiple times, I can't live what he's called me to. But it's so easy to slip there. And yet God's grace is with me. So the more I practice returning to God and letting him interrupt me, the quicker the turnaround is, the quicker the reconciliation is, and the process becomes better. And this idea of conflict is inevitable. Combat is optional. See, I used to always do everything to please everyone. And so I would go from one person, what do, what do you need from me to give me the love that I need? Instead of being authentically in the moment, being able to be truthful and loving and what have you. And, and so I avoided conflict at all costs until one day I woke up and went, we're all different. And God showed me that we are all different. Conflict is going to happen because we are struggling and we're in process. Conflict happens on a daily basis with everyone. That's no shame has to be attached to that. No failure has to be attached to that. And therefore, we don't have to have a shame response. We don't have to have a defensive, I have to be superior. We just have to go, How do we yield and defer to one another, especially in our marriages? And so a confrontation doesn't have to be. Conflict can just be worked through. We have a difference of opinion. So we're a process. And I share the stories to kind of go, I'm in process. I'm in the trenches. Candy says a dirty leg, right? So we're in process. And that's actually something to be celebrated because we're on the journey of process. There's no totally, I've got it. There's just the grace and goodness of our God, which is enough. And that's what Paul talks about. I have learned to be content. And part of Paul's learning was he could go to God 
and ask for relief of his distress. See, in the passage in 2 Corinthians 12, he, Paul, prayed three times about his suffering. He doesn't speak specifically what the suffering is. I read a lot about what it could be, but the point is it wasn't important what it was. And what I'm going to suggest to you is Paul went to God in his distress, knowing he would be heard. He went and complained on my, I have a, a clock in my kitchen that a friend of mine made for me and she put a verse on it. And the verse is Psalm 55, 17, which is evening, morning, and at noon, I go to God and he hears my murmuring and my complaining. He hears us. Paul went to God because he knew he would be heard. And he knew that that's where everything ends because he knew and trusted in God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. And God heard Paul. See, God will hear us when we go to our complaints, when we're struggling with our distress and our discontent in our marriage, in our situation, in how our husband chooses food, to whether or not his closet is cleaned up or whatever it is. We can take it up with God and he meets us and he will answer and he may answer how we want him to. But our hardest act of will, our choice is to listen for what God will say, to listen for his voice, not our desired answer. Paul listened and heard God say, I'm going to paraphrase it a bit. What God said was, I am enough for your circumstance. I will empower you to be what is needed. I am enough. God provides everything that we need, ultimately. He provides sufficiently through himself and his abundance. He provides what is just right for our situation. Um, 2 Corinthians 9 8 in the Passion Translation says, God is more than ready to overwhelm you. God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace so that you will have more than enough of everything, every moment and in every way. He will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing that you do. We can overflow with abundance, with good to our husbands through the grace of God's sufficiency. When we focus on him and go to him and take it up with him in our morning time and keep our mouth shut, God, keep a bridle on my tongue because I cannot always, because in my heart sometimes I cultivate and stir it up. Forgive me and I want you. So, um, but his provision is supernatural. It's an act of heaven on earth. Um, it's pretty amazing that this whole verse of, when I am weak, then I am strong. That's what Paul ends up saying. He had an infirmity that everybody around him could see. And it was 
affecting everything that he did. But God says, I will give you enough in your situation, in your struggle, in your marriage, in your own sense of superiority and stirring up strife. I will give you me so that the, the goal is that my life transparently showcases uh, with illumination, the light of glory through me. We are to become like a lantern, a vessel, or a light on a hill shining in the darkness. And contentment then is learned by repeatedly turning back to God in our distress and being met and filled. So over time, a habit is formed and a new habit is cultivated. Seeds are sown, water nurtures growth, time passes, growth happens. I can actually experience contentment by focusing on growth happens and results in contentment. I, you, don't have to make my heart content. Our experience of the presence of God creates contentment in me. Last week, I showed you a stacking tower. And that stacking tower had at its base what we called the foundation, trusting God. God and God's love. We had cups a week before filled with water that overflowed. And we talked about as we spend time with God in the morning or in our day, we're filled with him and therefore we overflow to the people around us. When we stir up or cultivate strife and contention, when we are not focusing on that which is true and right and good, but we're focusing on my superiority, my need to be right, my anger, my hurt, my needs. When I focus on what others haven't done to love me or meet my needs, when my way, when people don't put things away in the kitchen drawers in the right place. Maybe nobody else gets upset about that. Um, my thoughts cause a downward spiral, sinking my spirit into negativity. And I think about myself more and more, thinking about how my needs aren't met, how everyone lets me down. Woe is me. That actually is not an act of protection, though we think we're being self-protective. See, God says, guard our hearts. This is our heart. And when we do not guard what we put in our heart, it becomes poisoned. And our thoughts are how we guard that. Our attention. Guard our heart. Because from it flow the springs of life. Not guarding my heart allows the biome of that heart to stagnate and become like poison. So when I'm under pressure, the poison gets out on people. Not God's goodness. 
So every day I have to power up and turn my face and attention to God. Our, our sense of Bible study, right? Go be in the word. Take our distress up with God. Spend time in adoration, confessing, thanksgiving, and asking in supplication. So over time, see, this is where that process comes in. God will continue to fill me up. And even when toxic thoughts and habits have covered me, the more time I spend with him in time and in process, he washes me and he changes the habits of my thinking so that I don't have to react. I don't have to strive. It happens because when I meet with God, he fills me up. When I meet with God and hear his voice, the fountain of life pours into me every time that I hear him and his delight and favor are poured out. And my heart is purified and clean and thinking good thoughts and praising him. And therefore I can overflow and I can in the overflow and the abundance of what God gives in his never ending, never stopping, unbreaking, always and forever love, I can always forgive because I am forgiven. I can remember who he is and that's my firm foundation. This has been really kind of conceptual this time, but it flows out of everything else. We must trust God because everything flows out of our trust of the one thing that never changes and never stops. And that's God's love. And he is good. And as we are faithful to get to know him and spend time in him, we can love. We can defer and submit to our husbands in voluntary cooperation. But we have to choose to remember and not forget his benefits. Thank you.